there's a lot of church practitioners that make a very, very hard line and say that all of the things described about the church in the New Testament are descriptions. And we don't really understand, we don't get any inspiration for how to create blueprints from the New Testament. It's really complete blank slate. Now that really denies the fact that we do have these commands, that there is a kingdom culture, and there is great inspiration we can derive from these descriptions. And so we wanna make sure that we're preserving scripture as a how-to book, but in the right way, in this sort of hybrid way, in this way that allows us to build that culture, take seriously those commands, and be inspired by those descriptions uh, in such a way that we can, we can try to understand what a faithful expression of the church looks like. Welcome to the 1000 Houses podcast, where we encourage and equip households to make disciples in and through the home. Every episode, you'll hear interviews, teachings, and conversations around what it looks like to turn your home into a hub for mission, community, and discipleship. So today's episode was taken from one of our coaching intensives called A House for Community, where we provide households with personal coaching for how to build a community and turn your home into a hub for community relationships. So if you're interested in learning more about A Thousand Houses or checking out some of our other resources, visit 1kh.org. Let's jump into today's episode. We all agree that the Bible contains, especially in the New Testament, how or the why the church should do what it's doing, gives answers to the why questions, answers to the what questions. Where there's a lot of controversy or some things we need to dive into is does the Bible actually answer the how questions? Another way of, of an- asking this question is does the Bible itself contain a blueprint for how to do church? Is the Bible a how-to book? If so, exactly what are the limits to that idea? Now, this is a very important question for us to ask and try to answer because we're going to dive into a lot of details about how to do church, how to do community. So much of what this course is about is talking through all of those various tactics and traditions. Um, But before we get there, we really need to understand how we interact with the Bible. Are we looking for very particular verses to back up everything we're saying? Does the Bible give us any insight in how to do this? And so we want to walk through uh, two basic components to what we believe about the Bible's role in trying to help us to ask the, the, and answer the how question when it comes to the church. Number one, the Bible does give commands to the church and our blueprints ought to be built from the ground up in such a way to fulfill these commands. That's been a huge theme as we've talked through the challenges that the modern church has, that a lot of times the blueprints are not designed in such a way to reliably fulfill the commands given to the church in the New Testament. So we want to make sure our blueprints are held to that standard. Number two, the description of traditions listed in the scriptures, while not commands binding on the church, ought to give inspiration for how we construct our blueprints for doing church. And so there's a big question that people ask about verses when we talk about this how question. And the question is, is that a descriptive verse or a prescriptive verse? In other words, is that just telling us like what they did and just sort of explains how they did it? Or is it actually commanding us to do it in the same way? And we know that in, in the New Testament, there are definitely descriptive verses, especially in the book of Acts, but all throughout the New Testament that give us a picture and they're painting that sort of profile for what was going on in the early church. And there are verses that are clearly prescriptive, that are commanding us to do certain things um, as part of our life together as a body. 
And so it's really trying to understand the distinction. And we want to become sensitive to this because we really want to submit ourselves to the authority of Scripture, but we don't want to do that in such a way that is not going to allow us the freedom to build the blueprints uh, the way the Holy Spirit's calling us to do that. So we want to be really faithful to the commands, but we also want to take very seriously the inspiration of the descriptive verses in the New Testament. So I want to sort of tease out these two distinctions. I'll give you some examples of of commands. One of the reasons why this is so important is that if you were to travel around the world and really begin to go to churches, you'd go to China and Europe and Asia, other places in Asia and Africa, South America, and then in North America. If you were to go into each church, you're going to see a, a huge variety of different expressions of church, different traditions. But there should be a, a through line that you see consistently throughout all of those different diverse expressions of the church. And we like to call that the kingdom culture, that the New Testament, if you're following the scriptures, advocates for specific things, values, through making commands to the church that we need to be experiencing because as important as each of our diverse cultures are to us, and even those, even those diverse cultures are important to the Lord, there is a kingdom culture that transcends all of our individual cultures that has to be honored. I'll give you some examples of, of the way to think about a kingdom culture when it comes to our church practices. So it says in Ephesians 4, make allowances for one another's faults. That's a kingdom culture principle. In other words, you're going to meet lots of people in the process of doing church that annoy you. And if you create a culture that says, if you're not like me or if I get a little bit bothered by your faults, then you're out. That's not kingdom culture. And so you want to see that in the different expressions of church, regardless of what culture they come from. Um, also, in 1 Corinthians 14, we're very inspired by what Paul says. When you gather, then, then have a teaching. Somebody has a song. Somebody has a revelation. Why are we inspired by that? Well, because there's a sense in which the churches ought to, ought to create room for these different giftings when they gather. Another command is in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So if we're not creating relationships intimate enough to have that experience, or if we're not sharing our lives deeply enough to allow people to know when we're rejoicing or when we're mourning, then there's something off about the culture of what we're experiencing. Be equipped by the fivefold of Ephesians 4, the apostles, prophets, pastors, uh, teachers, and evangelists. These are critical gifts that are designed to equip the body to become fully mature. And so we should see that in all cultures. Ephesians 4 also says to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. In other words, we are already united with other believers in our city, in our neighborhoods, across the world, and our job is to keep the unity. And what that means is that there should be a desire on, on the part of every believer, every expression of church, to find ways to keep that unity if the enemy comes in and tries to disrupt that unity. Uh, submit to uh, leaders, and talks about it in, in Hebrews 13. So there should be a, a, a comfortability with the fact that there are times in which we need to become very convincible uh, to those who, who are in leadership in the church. Don't forsake the gathering. If there are blueprints that or cultures that allow for there to be large spans of time where we're not gathering as a body, um, that is not consistent with the kingdom culture. Don't give, uh, in terms of financial gifts, under compulsion. That is something that is definitely a kingdom culture principle. We don't, we don't compel each other to give, um, although we, we give opportunities for each, others to give, each other to give because God loves a cheerful giver. 
Um, we depend on each other's gifts. Obviously, it says that in 1 Corinthians 12, that needs to be this interdependent. Um, Ephesians 4 talks about also speaking the truth in love. So there are cultures that are very, very shy about speaking the truth if it, if it might be disruptive to the person that you're talking to. But there's a kingdom culture that says, no, no, you need to go ahead and speak the truth. And there are other cultures that are very good at speaking the truth, but they do it in a way that's very disruptive, uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't really think or take into consideration um, the challenge that that could be creating for somebody else. And so they're speaking the truth, but not in love. This is a kingdom culture principle. So it doesn't matter whether what culture you come from. Speaking the truth in love is a part of what it means to be creating a kingdom culture. Uh, and so we don't allow our cultures to transcend kingdom culture in these ways, especially with regards to the commands given to the church in the New Testament. And so that's one way that we want to really think about how the way that we use scripture is to be mining the scripture for those commands in, in order to create uh, and facilitate kingdom culture anywhere that we are planting uh, communities. Um, but also, there are these descriptive passages. And so we talked about these are traditions that could have their root structure inside of the unique culture uh, of that time or of that place. And so these kinds of commands or these kinds of descriptions may have been things that were worked out and traditions that may have been advocated for on behalf of that apostolic worker. Um, and if that, if that were the case, of course, that's good for them to submit so they can have a united life together. Again, we can't have people deciding um, on any given week which day or which place to gather. Otherwise, we would probably never gather. It would be too confusing. Uh, there's so many difficult decisions to be made. Um, but these are traditions, and um, these, are these are descriptions that are really important to take in consideration. So like one of my favorite descriptions of the early church is in Acts 2.42, where we read that in that early expression of church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Those four things I find so inspirational when it comes to constructing a blueprint. How are we going to do this in a way that is really helping all of us be devoted to the apostolic teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. What does that look like? And But these are this is a description. It's inspiration. Um, this isn't a command saying, okay, these are the four things you're devoted to, and so design the blueprint from the, from the ground up according to these, these four ideals. Um, however, it's not that these are useless. This is a really healthy and helpful description of what was going on and what was sort of at the center of their life. Another example is that we read in Acts that they met on the first day of the week. And so this is a description, right? We, they were meeting on Sunday. Sunday for them was a work day. For us, it's a day off uh, now that this has become a regular part of the church. Um, there is no command in the New Testament that tells us which day of the week to, to gather. Um, but this is inspirational, like, because we understand that the reason they were gathered on the first day of the week was the honor of the resurrection of Jesus and that we may be living into the eighth day of creation. There's lots of sort of symbolic reasons for us to think about what a Sunday represents. Um, however, if that is a terrible day of the week for whatever culture you may be coming from, then we can take inspiration for how they made those decisions, but without feeling obligated to, to uh, submit our traditions to those descriptions given, given in Acts. Another description is, is Paul in 1 Corinthians talks about how it's important to save up your gifts to be given um, and to do that on a weekly basis so that there is enough when he arrives to really offer enough support to the church in Jerusalem. So he gave them a particular way and advocated for saving up every month 
um, a certain amount of money so that that's not something that is, you know, just sort of coming out of whatever leftover money you might have when Paul arrives. This is a really good idea and it doesn't, we don't have to do it, but it's really good for us to set aside money uh, for, for giving and not to just wait uh, as a knee-jerk reaction to, to giving. Again, that's a description. It's not a command. It's very useful, and we have ways in our culture to think through how we might do that. It, there's also an interesting verse in 1 Corinthians um, 10 and 11 where Paul is advocating for during a, a love fest feast or during a communion service, which was likely more of like a potluck kind of meal. Uh, Jude calls it a love feast. He says it's important to wait for everyone before you begin to eat or before you begin to drink. Um, that's a great tradition. There's a lot of good reasons to do that. I like to hold to that tradition. But some churches, as soon as you take communion, you eat it. As soon as it passes by your, your hands. Um, again, that's totally fine. Um, that's a decision that needs to be designed into the blueprint in terms of your tradition. Uh, but I like to take inspiration from that particular tradition. Um, another tradition in the, in the book of Acts is that they were taught publicly and from house to house. And this is something that we really love to think about as an inspiration. We want to have equippings and teachings that are done in public venues, but we also want to make sure that there is house-to-house -house teaching. And so this kind of, uh, these kinds of two different venues uh, were a part of the way they thought about church. Again, it's very inspirational, helpful, and depending on the way that your blueprint's being constructed for the way you do church, you might find that very inspirational, or you might find that kind of irrelevant. But I, I find that very inspirational for the way that, that we're thinking about how to do these things. And so it's important to understand just in summary that when we have this conversation about traditions and commands and we look at the scriptures, it's not to say that the traditions that are described in the New Testament are useless. The commands are constructing a particular kind of kingdom culture. And we can undergird that culture by taking inspiration. There's a reason why the Holy Spirit preserved in scripture the description of the way that the early church actually functioned, what they did on a day-to-day -day basis without us feeling like we are under the obligation, regardless of what's going on in our culture, to fulfill every single one of those descriptions as if they're commands. But it's really important not to diminish the inspiration that comes from these, these different descriptions. So hopefully that makes sense. It's really sort of a hybrid way of thinking about how to use scripture to think about how to actually approach this conversation around how to do church. There's a lot of church practitioners that make a very, very hard line and say that all of the things described about the church in the New Testament are descriptions. And we don't really understand, we don't get any inspiration for how to create blueprints from the New Testament. It's really complete blank slate. Now that really denies the fact that we do have these commands, that there is a kingdom culture, and there is great inspiration we can derive from these descriptions. And so we wanna make sure that we're preserving scripture as a how-to book, but in the right way, in this sort of hybrid way, in this way that allows us to build that culture, take seriously those commands, and be inspired by those descriptions uh, in such a way that we can, we can try to understand what a faithful expression of the church looks like across the world, across time, because this is not our bride. This is ultimately Jesus's bride. So we wanna really take seriously what the scriptures say about how to do church. Well, friends, thanks for listening to today's episode. If this teaching stirred something in you and you and your family are sensing any kind of calling or a pool to maybe go down this path in community, we'd love to be a resource to you as you explore this. So if that's you, we want to invite you to join our coaching intensive called A House for Community, where we're going to combine online content and personal coaching for you to provide you with the teaching and the tools 
and definitely the encouragement that you're going to need to see your home become a house for healthy kingdom relationships. For more information and to apply for this coaching intensive, go to 1kh.org slash community coaching. We'll see you guys for the next episode.